taxi industry. They have been there forever. Everyone thinks that is going to be how you do it. And then came Uber. Uber changed how people thought of the industry. We are the Uber of the industry, changing how people think of caring for their elder parents. We are doing it differently by taking cozy homes that are only 10 to 20 people per home. Our aim is to do hundreds or thousands of them. In this episode, I talk with Brandon Schwab. Brandon is a real estate investor focused on small senior housing. It is his mission to modernize the quality of care in the senior housing industry. We discuss what is small senior housing and how does that compare to traditional senior housing communities? How he's addressing the challenges in the industry and modernizing the level of care that seniors receive. And we also go into market fundamentals of the senior housing industry. So I hope you enjoy. Now here's the show. How you doing, Brandon? Hey man, I'm awesome. Awesome. Things are awesome, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, so we uh, initially, uh, well, actually, I don't think we briefly connected in, or yeah, we did. We, we connected in um, Salt Lake City at, at a tough. mastermind event. You're doing something very unique in the real estate space, something that I've never talked about with what? any guests. Any event, I mean, my wife and I, we started doing events way back in, I don't know, 2015 or so. And uh, so this entire time, this topic has never been covered. You're the first. Uh, wow, that's no, incredible. <laughs> no pressure. And, and and it's a very relevant topic and it's going to grow in relevancy uh, over the next Absolutely. 10, 20, 30 years. So that is senior housing. Uh, <laughs> senior housing, man. That is fun. Yeah. So this is awesome. How did you find your way into senior housing? Well, I found it because our own family member had to go into one. And it was a really bad experience for us. He went into a place with 200 plus beds. He had his, so like my father's dad was 79 when he had his first stroke and we had his um, second, that was pretty much towards the end, right? When I went in to go and see him, it was a pretty tough time because he could not talk. And when he had a accident, he couldn't do anything on it, right? So we pulled the pull cord button back behind his head and no one came. Five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15, by 20 minutes, like, Jeez. bro, bro, like I'm pissed. Yeah, this and is the, I need help, like, a nurse should be get here. Get here ASAP, because his face was changing colors, because he felt so bad that he couldn't control it. And I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I said, I need to go do something. Like, I've been here doing um, nothing for this time, and I felt terrible. And I went to go down to get the two people to help him, and I was not very polite. I was angry, and I said, get over there and hurry up. And, and I, after I went home, I felt bad. Cause I said, shit, what's going to happen after I'm gone. Those two people aren't going to offer anything of help. And I said, I probably actually hurt him. So this whole thing happens. I feel like a total jerk. And then I push it down deep, like as if it didn't ever happen. Cause I felt so bad. Fate is going to have it where I get pulled back into it about five years later. My father-in-law plays the piano down in Florida 328 times per year at the old folks home for 
And the painful part, Chris, is that he tells the same jokes over and over. So it is painful anyways. But one of the things that I figure out is when I go to these buildings with 100 to 200 people, that feeling that I had back before kept coming back up. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, Kelly, is there anything that I can do that I don't have to go? So I will cook. So I'll clean. Is there anything I can do? And she just says, "Um, no, you have to go. This is the only time you have to see him. And this time was different, though, Chris, because we pulled into a house. And I said, text your dad. Where are we at? I have never been in a home before. So we go into a five-bedroom house, and this was different. It didn't have the typical odor. When you go into these places with 100 to 200 beds, the odor isn't very good. The atmosphere is terrible. And this was different. I'm in a home with five people, and I go, huh, what is this? And I discover that that's how they're able to do it down in Florida. There's 1,800 of them. In California, there's 2,800. In Texas, there's 55,000. And I go back home and there's 55. And I said, well, that's an opportunity because it was cool. So I basically there's jumped 55 in. where you live in your market, right? And where is that? It's so like homes in the entire the entire part of so like Illinois, the entire state. There was Jeez. 55, Chris, Jeez. compared to 55,000 in Texas. So Phoenix, Arizona has 3,000 in just Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But in places where it's colder, they didn't open as fast. People didn't quite get it. I so I said, some people just moved to Florida. So they get well, the convenience and the weather. I thought that too, but then when you pull up the elder count population in the country, our state is on the top 10 list, and we are uh, uh, we are um, number seven. And I said, that's interesting, because they're all here. And I said, that's incredible. So I go to our hometown, and they didn't have any. Our home county of 300-plus thousand people, they didn't have any. So at the time, I was investing in real estate for over four years full time. And I had 23 homes. I thought I kind of had it all figured out. When I saw this one home with five people, that house outperformed all 23 homes two times a month. And Those I said- homes, I, the, the ones you had, were they long-term rentals? Like mm-hmm. traditional long-term rentals? Yep. Yeah. So when that happened, I said, you know, I need to get into that because it was very different of what I've heard of prior. And I haven't ever done it like that, where um, it was be something that it's in a home like that. I've always been into the bigger, colder places where the atmosphere isn't very good, where um, you're able to go into all of these homes with five to 10 people, I just haven't ever heard of it before. And I said, this is really cool. How do I get into that? And I figured out how to open it up. Then I quickly figured out that I need to partner up with somebody. So that's kind of how I was able to get into it. I partnered up with a person that was in the healthcare industry for 38 years. Uh, We've been partners now for almost eight years. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's how you see a lot of businesses get started. So it's scratching your own own itch. But in this sense, it's not necessarily scratching your own edge. You saw a problem and that really hit you in an emotional level, but then you saw the solution to the problem that just didn't exist where you were. And you were able to take that solution back to your hometown, 
find a good operator that that knew at least had more knowledge of that industry, apply your expertise in what you do, and um, and start start building from there. Is that does that sound about right? That is. We did all of the opco in house. We built it how I felt it had to be done. So our first house, I was able to buy for two fifty. I put five hundred fifty thousand dollars into it. So I went over the top. But I felt like if I'm going to ever open up any home, it needs to be of the caliber that if we're going to put our own family member in there, like it's up there. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I have done everything for the past eight years. And as we have been able to open up other homes and other homes, we always kept that because we felt that like we can change the industry. We can be part of changing how it's done going forward. Yeah. And it isn't able to happen overnight, but if you just keep on going and and um, to do homes, we can change how people think of it. Because today, so, so like most people think of the industry as these hundred to two hundred bed type places, which I often compare them to the taxi industry. Right? They have been there forever. Everyone thinks that is going to be how you do it. And then came Uber. Right? Uber changed what they have how people thought of the industry because they they would just order it off your phone compared to the old way of taxi taxi we are the uber of the industry changing how people think of caring for their elder parents because if you think of it this way if your parents if your parents parents came out of a home whoever thought it was a good idea to put them in a giant place that's 200,000 feet Probably um, not them, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably the owners that go, well, if I put 200 people in here, we can profit a ton of money. But that is what the issue is. We are doing it differently by taking cozy homes that are only 10 to 20 people per home. But our aim is to do hundreds or thousands of them. Yeah, it's it's such a unique twist on... Um... Or not really twist. It's just a, it's it's a unique way to solve a problem, and uh, and as a real estate investor, you're uniquely positioned to where you can get these homes, and you got the expertise to um, to, to build them out, along okay. with your business partners, you got the expertise on um, the senior yeah. housing side. So what what does that operations look like? Because this is very different than even Airbnb. So Airbnb, it's very different from single family, like long traditional rentals. It's an operations business. You're in the yeah. hospitality. Now you're somewhat in the hospitality business as well, um, but it's it's a it's there's additions to that um, because there's there's special care involved. Um, there's so a lot of care. The overall ops piece is tough. It is more of a healthcare operating company every day that happens to have a asset underneath. That's how you have to think of it. Anyone that has experience fixing flipping homes you won't just jump into this and then operate this you have to have we have for our 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 first home right our first home had 10 people in there we had four rooms that had their own room and then we had three rooms that there was two people each room but for those 10 people we had two full-time people there to help 10 people so it was a care giver to every five people for the first five plus years. We did that because when you have that type of care, you can offer awesome help. Mm -hmm. Compared to the competition, 
a caregiver has to care for 20 to 30 people. That's what I would have figured. Um, like nursing, you know, I don't, I would have well, figured so 20. That's the issue, Chris, is if you were fantastic at it, could you care for 20 people properly? What if two people had a accident at the identical time and they asked for your help? Yeah. So like, who would you pick? And what happens is people are able to have accidents and they just have to wait and wait and wait. Yeah. And that isn't how it ought to be. We are using technology that's changing that. People get changed quickly because we are using technology. And that's what the industry is going to turn into. Just how taxi taxi is old now. People aren't going to ever have to do that anymore because you just order it all on your phone. Yeah. Same thing where if you have a accident, I don't think I would ask for any help because I would feel terrible that I could not in I couldn't have that part fully controlled. But through an app that can tell that they um, had an accident, the person can, they can offer to help me because they don't have to ask me anymore. That's how it ought to be. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what does this market look like? You, you, you talked about the availability of the senior family housing as opposed to the communities. So we got a little bit of a glimpse of that. Um, but as far as the, the need and <laughs> where you're seeing this grow in comparison to communities and, and other markets and what that looks like over the next five, 10 years. So the federal government is able to say that we are um, short 600,000 um, 600, beds by 2050. And we are nowhere on track to ever hit that. So what's happening is the aging of our country, 10,000 people every day are turning 65, 4,500 are turning 85 every day. And it's the aging of our whole country that 70% of people in the country is going to need um, help. They are going to need this type of care. And it gives people the opportunity to look at and say, what would I want? Would I, if all things are equal, right? If you were able to pay 6,500 each month, would I prefer a hundred to 200 plus type building with a caregiver to 20 to 30 or a awesome, an awesome cozy home that has 10 to 20 people with a caregiver every five to eight people? Mm -hmm. That is drastically different. Previously, people didn't think they had the option. What's happening is COVID exposed problems in the healthcare of the country. And what happened is, is when families are taking their parents home because they're terrified that in a 200-bed building, COVID's going from person to person to person to person and killing 42% of people that were able to pass from COVID were in those type of buildings. It demonstrated the biggest problem with the industry. So for the first time in a long time, the the bigger competitors got a black eye because they were all over the front page of the paper. What comes out of that is that the country is aware that that might not be the best option for their family, but they don't get that there's any other options. So I'll bet you if you would poll everyone that is on that is able to hear this right now, 98 of out of probably um, 100 people that are on this haven't ever heard of a home that cares for um, seniors. 
And that's why I do 25 to 30 of these each year, because I'm trying to teach people that there are other options out there, that there's an other part of the industry, which happens to be the top performing asset class from 2005 through 2015, outperforming apartment buildings, industrial, office, and all those things that people talk on all the time, but it, they outperform them by over 5%. Now, I chose that time frame perfect. Uh, I chose that time frame purposely because with the 2008 crash, right? I was trying to find out what asset class can handle when things go tough, when things aren't very good. Because when all things are good, everything tends to do pretty well. We're at a phase right now, we're in the first quarter of 2023 and people are afraid. They are terrified that they don't um, know where to put their money. And, and if they don't, you've got inflation that's eating it up at eight plus each year anyway. So it's creating an, an, an atmosphere that folks really need to uh, realize that there are other opportunities out there that you could get in that have um, assets underneath it and have a health care piece to it that is always going to be there because of the aging of our whole country for the upcoming 10, 20, 30 plus years. There, there's going to be lots of opportunities to basically take what happened the, the past two years and fix it so it doesn't happen again, where if it does happen, the care is offered in homes that there's 10 to about 20 people. And we can have an in-home care person that doesn't um, leave. You can contain it. it. It's possible, but you can't do it in 100 to 200 plus beds. Yeah. So these in-home care facilities, um, uh, nurses, if you will, uh, or representatives, um, they live there too, right? Or, or they're, they they're on shifts. They they are t they are on current. They are currently on eight hours. But yeah. what what we would figure out uh, post COVID that what we would do different is we would actually build out housing in the homes just in case that ever happened over where they so, need to stay overnight yeah yeah okay because what happened is the other places did not close down and they had people going in and out in and out in and out and that's what caused people to die yeah yeah and we have plans in place where if this ever happened over we would do things differently but we didn't have anybody pass in any of our homes from covid the entire time not every other place is able to say that. That's what was different on what we were able to do than every other place that's out there. And you were, you, so you were doing this before COVID. I was doing this before COVID for um, years. Yes. Um, okay. We got into doing the industry back in 2014 and I was jumping up and down telling everybody, but it felt like they didn't really get what I was doing because they felt that the other option was, was, oh, was fine enough that they didn't have any issues with it. And until COVID happened, then everyone's like, oh, you were able to do homes? What a good idea. And I'm like, I've been doing it for eight years and you didn't hear me the whole time. But like, is that other investors or um, just like other potential customers or clients? Yeah, I'm thinking like other families in the area. Okay. okay. Um, families in the area that are, choosing between options yeah. uh, to put their own family where yeah. 
we don't typically have a we don't have anything out front of any of our homes that that it's easy to find what we do but that mm -hmm. that is purposely done we don't want to have tons of people going in and out of these homes when we can have a building um with the ads out front we just aren't really doing that we mm -hmm. have it where these are homes for people that are in these homes and we don't like advertise to get people to come in there mm -hmm. so from the curb like the up. curb appeal this is just a a typical home um yeah. that that would would be hard to distinguish from any other home um it's yeah. just through word of mouth or maybe just online marketing that that's how you're getting traffic what we do actually is we partner up with so like local hospitals that discharge people out every day. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when they are able to discharge them out, the hospital doesn't get paid if they come back to the hospital within 30 days. So what happens is when they discharge Medicare? The hospital, um, uh, through that and so in so it so insurance. The uh, how they I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really interesting. So what happens is, and you know that's got to which it shouldn't, but that's got to play into level of care, especially among chronic visitors. Um, I know, I know this firsthand with family. Um, it it can be very frustrating with yeah. the, with the lack of care. Um, you know, you know, in those kind of situations where they're in and out all the time. Yeah. So just. So we had a uh, um, local um, hospital, right, where they were getting 45% of their people to come back to the hospital within 30, uh, within 30 days. Mm -hmm. This picture, if you didn't get, if they would not pay you on 45% of the people, where if we can take awesome care in our homes and we are able to cut that down to 10 to 15%, we just added an extra 30% of income that they couldn't have earned anywhere else. Yeah. That's what we do is different. And we don't really have to advertise as much. We will partner with health care in the area because we help them earn extra money. Yeah. When you talk to them on them earning extra money, they will have that talk easier than if you are trying to advertise where we don't really have to do that. Yeah. For, for From an actual demand uh, addressing the unique issues and challenges for the actual person um the 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 elderly that are living in your homes in comparison to how they're uh they're addressed in communities can you speak to uh, just a couple maybe the top one two or three that um line items that that really set the difference between how things are handled within small senior housing versus a community especially from the perspective of the loving family members that they're just trying to make sure that their, their parents or grandparents are taken care of. So I would say the top one is always the, um, so the, the top one is always going to be the um, heart, the type of, the type of care that's offered isn't even close. When you have owners that have a caregiver to every five to eight people, is the biggest difference because at the end of the day, when a family is going in to check out all of their options, you need to be asking questions of how many caregivers do you have on the first shift, second shift, and the third shift. Mm -hmm. 
And oftentimes they won't answer that question because they're caught off guard. Because what happens is in the evening time, they're typically a caregiver to every 50 people. During a day, it's a caregiver to every 15 to 20. At, at the average place, it's a caregiver to every 30 people. What happens is when you have that type of a atmosphere, the care is not good. Even if they try as hard as they can, they just can't keep up. It ends so, up stressing out the the, the nurse or the, the caregiver uh, to where that, yeah, it's even, in, uh, you know, when they're doing their best, they're not at their best. Well, yes, that is 100% true. The people that are in this industry that offer um, help like that, they are awesome people. But when they're put in, in a atmosphere where they can't keep up because they have to do 20 to 30 people, it isn't actually their fault. It's the owner's fault that put them in a position that they have to choose. Do I take care of her, her, or her? And all yeah. three of them have to have help here today. Yeah. And what they do is when they get overwhelmed, unfortunately, someone often gets hit. And that's the type of issues that are in the industry that people don't talk on but that's what's happening today mm -hmm. and that's the thing that happens when you go to a place and the poor team can't keep up and then when you can't keep up with people who come in to do that job then it gets even worse because then you got people covering for other people that aren't there mm -hmm. and the poor people that are in there the elders that are in there don't get the type of care that they ought to have so I'm a huge fan of everyone that's in this industry. I wish more owners would have a care focus as their top priority, but unfortunately they just don't. So um, until that changes, there's going to be some big problems and people are always going to have issues. And I feel that that is sad, but I feel like we are here to, to change that. We have a, we figured out how to do it differently. And with what we're doing with our fund and the overall expansion, we can do things differently and have the top um, number of homes throughout the whole country. And people are going to hear what we were able to do. Yeah. And it really makes, um, it helps differentiate a senior housing guest versus a senior housing patient, which when, when the numbers start getting, 20 to 1 30 to 1 i mean at the end of the day you're you're a patient and uh, as much as they would like to care like it's it's just challenging for them yeah yeah I, so i think what we're talking on is if you had a teacher trying to teach 20 to 30 kids mm -hmm. that's hard right if you have a teacher trying to teach 5 to 8 kids those kids can get a drastically different type of uh, um, help yeah. you couldn't if you had to do 20 30 and that's what we do different and it's actually a good analogy and and, and even during covid you know, you know how we saw uh I don't, I don't know percentage wise but it was a decent amount that migrated to homeschooling or private schooling or some type of alternative schooling to uh, one shield your child from uh, a crazy pandemic that we didn't know anything about um and then two just lower class ratios where you can get that a little bit more uh, of that one-on-one -on -one intention, which we have our kids, okay. including real estate. So allowed us to put our kids to private school and um, it, yeah. you know, 
my wife's a teacher so she she knows this firsthand and she she knows what just filling up a classroom where it's one to 25 or whatever it's some kids go unnoticed some issues go unnoticed and um, there's not much you can do about it right so what's your goal with this over the next five ten years oh well our we have a plan over 10 years to have 3,000 homes. Over five years, we plan to have 300 homes in our area that will be corporate-owned homes, right? But once we have 300 corporate-owned homes, what we're going to do is we're going to use them to help train the other 2,700 homes. So we can't do it on our own. We need RNs that I, I can't tell you over the last eight years, I've probably had 200 RNs come up to me and go, Brandon, I have been thinking of doing this for 25 to 30 years. All of them are able to tell me that. And they go, so how did you do this? And after I heard it the first time, fifth time, the 10th time, I'm like, there's is going to be something to this. So what I realized is with enough volume of us having 300 corporate-owned homes by 2000, um, the end of the five-year goal, we could then train 300 um, new RNs at a time to go back to their home uh, market. So in order to really change and have an impact, I can't do it just by so ourselves. I need elder RNs that have the heart that have been basically burned out over the last two or three years just being overworked and help them get them into this industry and i feel like i can do that by partnering up with us and is it like a is that like a franchising play or a licensing play or um yeah what's your your thoughts there yeah it's a franchise-esque play similar to chick-fil-a yeah we we are going to copy what they've done and uh we feel that that would fit this industry perfectly. Mm-hmm. And with the investors that we um, have and are able to have from folks in the future, we are going to need um, them because in order to do 3000 home, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the and, and purpose, risk and liability, I mean, there, there's, yeah. that's definitely within question too. Well, that's true. But I think if you look at the history of it, um, right. If you look at the industry that we're in, it's the top performing asset class during the um, last 2008 crash. It outperformed all others by over 5%. So when so like history teaches you the asset classes that do good when things are tough, like this is a good example to, this is a good place to be when currently, I think investors today are kind of afraid of where to put their money, but they feel pressure that they have to because of the inflation, right? Yeah. And for us and our funds, it's an incredible time because we can buy properties at such a huge discount that frankly, I'm afraid of things getting back to where they ought to be because prices are going to go back up. There's other people out purchasing homes right now with our fund. We can buy such a good upfront price that I'm getting deals that I couldn't have ever have had back before. And with our fund, we can close quickly. So if there's anyone that's able to hear this, um, that you have 
a portfolio of homes that are 10 to 20 beds, call us. We are actively um, looking. While we're also uh, being able to have capital into our funds so we can deploy capital during the best time ever for us to purchase. And one of the things that I'm really good at is actually owner carryback finance. Mm -hmm. And I had to get really good at it because when I opened the company, I didn't have a ton uh, um, of it, right? So I had to get creative and figure out how to get deals done. And during the first eight years, I bought four properties with owner carryback financing that the highest interest I ever paid was one and a half percent. Right now with capital, there's great opportunities for us to purchase while things aren't very hot right now before things get back to hot. So yeah, debt, debt, especially in the real estate investing space, it's, it's the biggest problem to manage, you know, we're, we're seeing better deals. Um, at least I know my team has been seeing better deals in the single family space and the multifamily space. It's still, there are still deals, but it's, um, there's still a little bit of a gap between sure, seller sure. and buyer, but, um, regardless it's the debt, like how are you managing the debt? I do think owners financing, especially with folks who secured the two and a half to even 4% range over the last 10 years, like that's, that's valuable. And sure. for folks that can either do wraps or straight up service financing because it's cash sure. or whatever. And then, Hey, even if you want to talk about boomers who, um, own them, they free and clear, they, they own these free and clear. And there's millions of them that 34% yeah. of our whole country owns their own home free and clear. Yeah. So what I discovered is that's a great target because I am 10, I, I tend to buy homes that are 5,000 to 10,000 feet. My average tax bill is over 20,000. The average person trying to purchase isn't um, looking for a average tax bill of $24,000 per year because that's $2,000 per month forever. Yeah. On top we of the mortgage. Can, on top of it, right? So even if you own it, you have to pay that every year. So what we're doing is we're targeting those homes that really aren't that hot and, and we can offer them a very fair price. There are times we even pay over asking mm-hmm. long as they can carry back terms. So I will do an upfront cash offer, which is insulting purposely because I'm trying to prop up the owner carry back offer. Yeah. It's the one, two punch as my buddy Eddie Gant talks about one, two punch, yeah. like yeah. The, the cash offer stings. And then how about this? It, other has to hurt. it has to hurt, but things that happen sometimes is people take the cash offer. And I'm like, all right, here we go. But like, I never thought they would ever take that, but I put it in there anyways to prop up the other offer, sometimes to take it. So that's really what we've learned over the past eight years. And I feel like where we're at today is such an incredible time right now because those that are creative, that can think and offer other opportunities have plenty of options right now. I agree. I agree. Exciting. Yeah, definitely agree. So um, a couple of questions I, I ask all the guests that, that hop on. Um, uh, I'm going to start shooting them out here. If you could give your advice, uh, if you could give advice to your 20-year-old self, what would that be? Hmm, if I can give advice to my 20-year-old self, what would that be? I would say to take action quicker and fail faster. 
I feel like a lot of people that I talk to overanalyze everything. And they don't take action because they overanalyze. They expect to get it to a perfect place and they never take action. One of the other pieces of advice that I would give is I would say hire a coach that has been where you are trying to go. They can get you there way faster. And if you think the cost is high, try the cost of um, not paying it. The cost of so, so like ignorance is 10 times higher. 100%. So find a person that has what you want, even if you have to go to him and do things for free. Go do it. You will um, learn a ton by taking action. I love that piece. And there was a um, hockey player that um, had the best quote ever. So like you, so like you will miss 100% of the shots that, uh, so like you never take. Yeah. Yeah. And Wayne Gretzky. I love that because it tells you go do it. Yeah. Just do it. So love it. What book or books have greatly influenced your life? Ooh, I've had a lot of really good books, uh, personal or you call it life in air by Steve cook has had the most profound impact on my life where before it, I was working about 70, 80 hours per week. And I was on an unhealthy path where I think a lot of people focus on the dollar piece of it, but this book really opened up my eyes that like, it isn't just on that, like your kids are going to do what they do if you are there or not. Mm -hmm. And the value of being there is higher than what you can achieve. So that book um, was a hard hitting book because it really hit home close. I felt like the mm -hmm. person in the book so it was me, uh, which was kind of odd because it was really odd thinking of it that way. But like after that book and talking to the author, who's an awesome guy, um, I did some pretty big changes. And because of that, I've actually coached our, I've coached our son's travel team for travel baseball for over eight years. Wow. Now, he's 15 now, and I would not change that for anything. And I don't think if, if it wasn't for that book, I don't know if I would have done that drastic of a hard change in life because mm -hmm. he clearly pointed out what I wasn't doing and it hit home really hard. And um, I got into investing and I was told you need to go invest and own homes. And um, I was turning into another person. So that book really helped um, identify that character flaw. Cause I thought I was told by the planet that you have to work 50 to 80 hours per week, just yeah. to keep up. Like it's that competitive. And I wouldn't be proud of that anymore. We're back before. I think, I, I think I was proud that I was working 80 hours per week and I'm just like, what was wrong with me? But like <laughs> that book helped change that. Love it. In the last five years, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life over the last five years mm -hmm. maybe one of the biggest impacts that i've had is getting over a fear of talking publicly when i was back in um, high school it was the greatest fear i had and 
it's 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 funny now that I do 20 to 30 of these each year and it's impactful because what I have to tell people is very powerful. Sometimes I had a fear that what I was thinking that I wasn't a good talker, but people wouldn't want to hear me. But one of the things that I was able to realize was if you think that you are actually keeping that fear isn't true and that fear is actually there's there's some person that has to hear what you have to say and you're being selfish if you don't and i have grown because of that and i put like myself in places where is a very uncomfortable place to be and do what i ought to do because and although it's uncomfortable you just have to do it in you have to do it anyways. And I feel that that belief has really caused massive growth. And I've helped other people that had to hear that jump in. And that part feels great. Love it. Love it. How can people reach out to you? Well, it depends what part of this got you interested. Um, <laughs> up until this year, I have had a lot of people call me and go, Brandon, can you teach me how to do this? And up until this year, I frankly wouldn't be able to help them. And um, I partnered up with somebody to help me do that. So I've got a online academy now. So if anyone wants to um, learn about that, it is, uh, um, it is, it is just seniorlivingacademy.com. And what I'm actually looking for is while we are currently in a phase of filling up our funds, we're also looking for investors. We're looking for accredited investors um, that are a good fit for this. And if anything that I talked on, um, I've got an upfront quiz um, that's about two to three minutes. And that is invest in seniorliving.com. If you ever go there, take the quiz. And then what, what, what would happen afterwards is you would come up with a score. And if you're over 50%, we would book a time that I would talk to you personally, that I would ask you, um, I would answer anything for you, but I would help get you clarified of questions that you have. And then I'd also would be able to send you a so like white paper about what the industry is going to be in the future. It's a it's a about 15 pages. Um, I did it by hand. I find it to be very valuable for anyone thinking of the industry prior to getting in because it gives them a lot of info prior to them even talking to me. So um, if you want to talk to me directly, the best way is probably to text me 815-790-2330. Text me your question and I'd be happy to text you over that. So so like white paper, that's probably the best way to begin. And then we can go from there. Love it. Well, thank you very much, Brandon. Um, it was a pleasure having you. Like I said, this is the first time we've ever had this topic. Um, so uh, if anyone's thank interested in senior housing, like I, I learned a lot from it. Um, and uh, I'm sure other folks did too. So who knows, we may have some follow up and uh, bring you back in to, to dive a little bit deeper. That would. All right, cool. Perfect. Thank you. Hey, I thank you for the opportunity here, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care.